Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. It's another NL Full-Time and the last one before Christmas. is what? What has been a weird year, it's fair to say. I'm Luke Edwards, and joining me on the pod this week, we have Chris Pratt. Hiya, Chris. Hello, Luke. And also a man who was uh, touted for a knighthood on Twitter this week. So we've got Sir Tom Feeney. Hiya, Tom. Hello, mate. How are we doing? <laughs> How does it feel reading that, Tom? You, you were touted for knighthood for services to non-league football. Yeah, I was uh, I was a bit perplexed by it to be honest. I don't think I've done anything that great, but yeah, it's all, always nice not to be getting abused. All you do is tweet out who uh, Geisley signing, don't you? <laughs> it's what the people want. <laughs> we'll head back to midweek because there was a, quite a few trophy games, and it's a shame Dickie's not here today. But he's he's uh, he's still getting over it. I think a ten nil win for Delford in midweek at, at Cold Hill. And there was two hat-tricks in there. There was a hat-trick for Aaron Williams and also for Dominic McHale. And it's a shame Dickie's not here. And, and in the end, it was all for nothing because Telford went out on penalties in the end after drawing up at Darlington in the northeast. And talking of Darlington, Tom, there's been a, there's been a kind of a Ferrari this week, hasn't there? Because, of course, the National League have ruled that Darlington and Boston have to replay the game. That Boston were 2-0 up in with after 88 minutes, but... Obviously, a serious head injury to Nicky Hunt saw the game abandoned. Now, Boston scored the second goal, apparently, while Hunt was down injured. So, there's a lot of Ferrari around it. I mean, what, what's your take on it? Well, I mean, I, I was sent the press release and I was a little bit surprised because the natural assumption after the game was kind of there were people within Darlington who were kind of saying, well, you know, 2-0 down, 88 minutes. They couldn't see it going, you know, being a full replay. But again, it's this whole thing that the the ruling regarding postponements and results standing, there seems to be a set one if it's done with the weather. But in terms of serious injury, it seems to be quite a grey area. And it was interesting when, when that was put out, how some Darlington fans were saying, well, we were 1-0 down, the injury happens the referee should have stopped it for that, according to some Darlington fans. And that second goal, if the, if it is stopped, obviously doesn't happen. So then it would only be one nil with two minutes to go. And it's kind of it's it's one of those where I can I can fully understand why Boston fans and players and staff and officials were so annoyed by this because all likelihood two minutes to go, two nil up, you're going to win that game. But Again, it's this grey area and I can see why Darlington have kind of fought their case in terms of at the end of the season, three points could be the difference between them being in the playoffs or not, for an example. But I mean, ordinarily a referee would stop it for a head injury as well, wouldn't he? Yeah, and I think that's the thing is, it's obviously the the incident with Hunt, it it really was a serious incident. I've got a friend of a friend of Nicky's and he was kind of giving me updates through the night saying on, you know, he's gone to hospital. The, the, there was real concern that he had, you know, seriously injured himself. So I can, I can see kind of, I'm very much on the fence with it because I can see both, both arguments. But I mean, if it happened to the team I support, I'd be absolutely livid because I'd be thinking two minutes to go, two nil up. But if it's happened to the team I support in Darlington's case, I'd be saying, well, you know, one nil, 
down, two minutes to go. The game would have been stopped because of that head injury. Who knows what happens? You know, a lot can happen in a couple of minutes. So I think it was a really tough decision for the National League. And I think it is interesting that there is there doesn't seem to be that set precedent within the FA rules regarding if an injury stops a game, regarding what happens. Yeah, look, I, I've got to admit, I've got a real firm view on this. And I think it's... I've got to say, I think it's ridiculous that, that Boston aren't getting awarded all three points. I think that, as you say, Tom, you know, 2-0 up with uh, with a few minutes to go or 1-0 up even, um, as, as you were saying, because there, there is that grey area about when the injury was sustained and the goal and all that sort of thing. But what I think should happen in these situations is that some sort of a panel has to meet and, 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 and discuss all those sort of things and come to a sensible decision. I don't like the, the set rule about if you've played this long, the result stands, as in the sort of weather situations and what have you. And um, as you say, the injury stuff is a grey area. For me, a panel of people who've played the game, maybe former managers or something like that, meet and say, look, they look at the statistics, how many teams come back from a goal down with so many minutes to go, with from two goals in other situations, from three goals down or something like that. And they come to some sensible decision because at the end of the day, that's all anyone wants, a sensible decision. And I can see why Boston are thinking, come on, we're, you know, we were 1-0 up, then we were 2-0 up. And, and really, when the game was abandoned, do we really want to be playing this match again? The other thing that I would say is that in these, in these COVID times, it seems ridiculous to play a replay, but as daft a replay or rematch or whatever you want to call it, but... As ridiculous as, as this may sound, the, the COVID stuff should be put to one side, I think, in this situation, because this situation may happen when COVID isn't there, uh, you know, in, in a couple of years' time. And for me, if you, can have a, if you can have a panel in the Premier League to discuss dubious goals, we can sort one out on, um, for the, in, in non-league football for situations like this. Because I tell you what, it will happen again. You know, these things do happen again. And... Um, I'd like this to be the, the, the sort of precursor to, to, to setting something up like that. Yeah, because it's not like as well that, I mean, you see it sometimes where players are running back and they pull a hamstring and then they're playing somebody on side. It's, 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 that's just unfortunate. But like you say, with a head injury, uh, it probably should have been stopped straight away. But then equally, like you say, you can, you can see it from both sides because if the ref had stopped it straight away, it'd have only been 1-0 down to may have got a last-minute equaliser. But equally, Boston will have said, well, the ref's played on. We've played to the whistle, we've scored, and that and that's it. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I mean about the the sort of looking at previous statistics of games and stuff like that. How many times come back, how many teams come back in that two minutes plus injury time, whatever it is. And it's probably somewhat like maybe five to ten percent of times, possibly less. I don't know. I haven't looked at it, I'm just going off um what I would think. But um yeah, I I think that's uh, you know, hopefully this it's changing some, and one more. I am waffling on about this, so I do apologise. But I did hear the the argument that well, you could be leaving it open for players to go down, play acting and stuff like that, and um, pretending they had a serious injury. And I look, come on, he had a, he had a serious injury in this instance, and that's why common sense should 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 reign. And it was the team who were losing. So if the team who were winning do that, then the panel look at that and think. This is ridiculous, or you know, what's the, what's the injury in the way these sort of things up? I'm 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 firmly on common sense here. 
<laughs> well, I, I think the interesting thing for me is now that this kind of sets the precedent for it, doesn't it? If, if it yeah. happens again in the future, teams will, you know, who were behind will say, well, Boston United v Darlington, how many months or years ago? Look what you did. So you've got to replay the game again. So it, it's interesting how this could set up for, you know, especially with concussions and things like that being such a highlight at the moment. And, you know, these injuries can happen, you know, at any point during a game. So it, it to me, it kind of does set that thing now of, you've kind of set your stall unless you take Chris's thing of, you know, setting this ruling where you, you get experts into to have this discussion, kind of, that's the precedent set now. Excellent. Well, I mean, obviously, people out there will have a view on it. If you, if you want to get in touch with you can do, it's at NL Full Time on Twitter. Just before you do move on, Luke, and one for Dickie. Dickie can't be with us today, but just one on Telford. And I'm being a little bit cheeky here, but what team has scored 15 goals in two games and lost one of them? <laughs> that's a great quiz question isn't it yeah I'm being a bit cheeky because they've added three of the penalties that they scored in, uh, in the penalty shootout there. but uh, he's not here to, that's not fair either because he's not here to give his right reply <laughs> yeah. Just, wait yeah, till, uh, just wait till he sees you next um, <laughs> moving on um, it was no longer Beadle about at Barnet he was sacked um, over the last week and they've brought in Tim Flowers and we all know that flowers and bees are a match made in heaven, aren't they? So uh, will it be honey at the end of the, 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 the light at the end of the... Oh, what is it? Will it be all milk and honey for Barnet? That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> Luke, I think that um, whatever you think about the appointment, we've talked enough about the appointment of, uh, of Peter Beadle and whether you think it's right that he, he lost his job and, and all that side of things. If you take all that out of the equation, I think the appointment of Tim Flowers is an excellent appointment for, for Barnet. I think it's a really good one. I think it's someone with a, a proven track record. He, um, the work, I thought the work that he did at Solihull was fantastic. I watched his, his post-match after, after yesterday and um, I think I remarked, he, it wasn't a shock for me that, that Barnet were beaten by Dorking yesterday because we've seen... How good Dorking are in, in previous seasons? They're going, uh, they're going well. So that that wasn't particularly a surprise for me. I watched him. He said that he, what he asked the players for, he got, which was a hundred percent for the club. Um, he said, <laughs> "My favourite quote of the season so far from a manager was the quality of goals we conceded were minging." that was a a direct quote I think more quotes like that would be fantastic for us journalists Um, but he's got to work on the defending he's brought in a strength and conditioning coach that he's over the moon with the treatment room is going to be run professionally from now on they're going to be using all the heart monitors and all that sort of stuff which surprises me that they weren't doing that if if they weren't previously but really impressive interview like it, it was sort of like look I know what I'm taking over. I'm going to grab this by the scruff of the neck. I'm going to give it everything I can and we will sort this out. Yeah, Tom, I mean, it is a good appointment. Like I say, he went so close with Solihull. He was, he'd, albeit, I'll say he started off well at Macclesfield, but he went in there with his eyes open at Macclesfield and he was trying to assemble something there before, obviously, it was kind of pulled from under his feet a little bit. So, I think Barnet fans have got reason to be optimistic. I don't think they'll certainly have to worry about relegation now, will they? No, I think what they've done is they've made a really astute appointment and kind of, you know, the Macclesfield situation obviously was so unfortunate with the squad he was starting to put together there. I I thought that that was a team that could have, with a bit of work, you know, done something. And 
when he left the Macclesfield job, you know, I know he's come very close to two other jobs that had come up. Like, I know one of them, he was the final two and it, it really was toss of the coin and he didn't get it. And the other one, he was very much in the running. So when when it was announced Peter Beardle was leaving and they'd have a quick appointment in place, to be honest with you, the logical choice to me was Tim Flanders because he's somebody who was clearly available, somebody who clearly knows the National League and knows how to do well in the National League. And, you know, like Chris was saying, he's already implementing some pretty serious changes off the pitch, you know, and kind of having that professional setup in terms of the strength and conditioning. I know at Solihull, that's something that people who are still there now say that the, he implemented a lot of them changes that they still use to this day. So I think for Barnett, it's just it's an appointment that just makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it might take a couple of weeks for him to get a few few players in, make, you know, have a look at the squad, see what he wants. But in terms of him as a manager and that as a club, I think it is a really good fit. Uh, talking of the FA Trophy, there was some really, some strange and entertaining games in the FA Trophy over the weekend. A lot went to penalties as well. I'm just looking now, there was uh, Boston filed, Boston prevailed on penalties in the end. Chesterfield Brackley went to penalties as well. Uh, that's... Um, I mean, considering sort of the impact James Rhodes had at Chesterfield, uh, you would have expected a comfortable victory. I mean, I haven't quite seen what the lineup is, but uh, I mean, it was nil nil after full time. It looks like with the sort of the, the penalty scorers, they, he had a strong side out because for Chesterfield, Whelan, Weston, Asante, Maguire all scored their penalty. Scott Bowden missed one, so I think Kevin Wilkin will be. It'll be uh, it'll be pleased with how it went, but obviously disappointed not to have won. Yeah, I think so, Luke. Um, they, from all accounts, they put up a really a really good battle there. Uh, again, I, I like listening to the, the managers' uh, post matches, and I was listening to to James Rowe and um, uh, whoever was asking him James Rowe the questions yesterday said, "Would you give um, Barnett, uh, Barnett <laughs> Brackley any credits uh, for the game?" He said, "Well, no, not really. We got in a penalty area twenty times, and they got in there seven. We just we, we didn't um, <laughs> capitalize on our opportunities. <laughs> so, so it's very straight uh, and to the point there. But uh, certainly, from from what I've heard, Brackley put on a, up a really good fight, and you know, Brackley are an exceptional team, aren't they? They, they did make it difficult for." For teams in higher divisions, we saw that against uh, Tranmere earlier uh, in the season as well. And Brackley is certainly not the name that you want to draw out the hat. So at the end of the day, I think Chesterfield will be pleased that they've um, avoided, we even call it a banana skin, really, because it's not as if unknowns or anything like that. But they've, um, they've avoided defeat and they're in the hat for the next round. Yeah, Tom, they're a very obdurate side, aren't they? And like Chris said, you wouldn't, want to, you wouldn't want to draw. I mean, we saw that in the FA Cup with Tranmere. They really struggled, didn't they, against Brackley? Yeah, I think the, th- the thing with Kevin Wilkin and Brackley is since he came in, they are so hard to break down and they have got that bit of quality up front. Obviously, didn't particularly see that yesterday, but I've watched them a few times this season, especially in the Cup, you know, that game against Tranmere and kind of, you know, that's the League Two side really, really struggling to break them down. I know James Rafterwoods can say that they got in the area so many times, but again, Wilkin, he's got those players like, you know, Gaz Dean, players like that who are really good at National League North level. And really, you know, they've got a defence that wouldn't look out of place in the National League for how well they do and for how many clean sheets they, you know, can get, especially in the big games. You know, I watched them a few weeks against Geisley and they just, 
they're one of them teams they really do frustrate you if you were you know watching against them because they're so organized and for guys that took an absolute wonder goal just to get on the score sheet. So, you know, I think for Kevin Wilkin, it's it's a loss, but it's certainly something they can build on. Yeah, and out of the North, there weren't many upsets in terms of North teams either being knocked out by teams below or North teams beating teams from above. One that does stand out is obviously Leamington. I mean, we speak about them every week, Tom. They, they did go to penalties away at Wrexham and, and they managed to prevail. And we, we've can't like keep putting enough plaudits on Paul Hollering, can we? Yeah, I mean it's eleven games unbeaten now in all competitions. It's an incredible run, and again, again, we let we Leamington. Their reputation is that they're a team who are always, always above water. They're always, you know, people look at the budget and people look at the players on the team sheet and go, oh, they'll struggle, but they never struggle to a point where you kind of thinking, you know, oh, they're, they're actually in trouble now. But the team spirit that they've developed there, and I think it's no surprise that it all it's all kind of come after that incredible performance against Alfreton. You know, how many weeks ago were that? And since then, they've not lost the game because in terms of a team spirit, in terms of a mentality, to be so many goals down so late on to get that incredible result, you know, from then it must have given them great belief. And again, you know they go to big, big. Well, they're not big spending at the moment, Wrexham, but they will be sooner rather than later to go there and to beat them. It's another, just another result that Paul Holleran must be so proud about. And he's he's kind of he's one of these managers that I think everyone likes. He's a really nice guy who builds a squad. He doesn't overspend. He sticks to a budget. He builds that mentality. Builds that work ethic and. Well, you know, all you can say is hats off to them because 11 unbeaten in such a tough league, beating a team above them in the trophy as well, you know, he deserves all the credit he gets. Yeah, and obviously he'll have a bit more extra in the pot now, won't he, with the uh, the prize money that they'll have made over the last week or so, won't he? So that'll hopefully help him strengthen it. And as we mentioned, keep hold of um, some of his players because I know Dickie's mentioned a couple, uh, I think people have been sniffing around already, haven't they? Yeah, and I think that's the thing is, the, the thing with Leamington is then you know these players are not going there for the you know the big wages they're not going there for the money I think you know they got they got Osborne in from Notts County and at the start of the season I thought that was a tremendous bit of business and he's you know really impressed and kind of I thought it was interesting when you hear him talk it was kind of you know some players they say oh well you know I'm kind of I'm here you know you can tell that they're not fully in it they're here for the yeah. money they're here to try and you know, do something with Leamington. He's gone there because he's looked at, you know, the amount of success stories that have gone to Leamington, had a good season there and then got a move to the Football League. And, you know, that's Leamington's reputation is they're very much a team that you go there, you have that good 12 months there. There's always eyes in the on, from EFL clubs looking and kind of these EFL clubs know that if they're at Leamington, they're getting that good grounding and, you know, while the results are going like that, maybe, maybe Leamington are the ones who should be saying they can go for the EFL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, send us your players. Before we move on and look at sort of the Southern results and some of the National League teams, uh, a couple of results that stood out for teams that I thought might struggle, but in the end got through Hereford. They had a good result at Nantwich. You know how hard it is a place to go, Nantwich to go and win. And also Notts County up at Morpeth. I mean, both sides who were doing well in the Northern Premier Division and, and both grounds that you don't really want to go to. 
No, absolutely. First of all, on on Hereford, yeah, we know that which is a is a really tough place to go to, and um, Hereford have done well to come out of that with a result. Um, I just thought that in this um, terrible Christmas period, where Christmas has essentially been cancelled, it was fantastic that it was John Lewis who got on the the score sheet. So a, a bit of a a bit of a hit back for consumerism there from from Hereford as he got the winner in that game. But no, in in all seriousness, these are these are difficult places to go. Morpeth, incredibly difficult place to go as well for uh, for, for teams. And uh, by all counts, there was an absolute torrential downpour, especially in the second half of that game up at Morpeth as well. So a real banana skin there for for, for Notts County, but one that they um, they managed to uh, manoeuvre their way through. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been to Morpeth and it's not either rained or been absolutely freezing. So, yeah, it's a, <laughs> a good result for them. Um, a, an entertaining game as well at the Shea, Tom, was it? Between Halifax and Hartlepool. Halifax are 3-1 up, but head back to 3-3 and eventually prevailed on penalties. Yeah, and it, kind of one of those games where I think, you know, it, it just seemed like Halifax just couldn't keep hold of a the lead. They took the lead early. You know, 2-0 t- up and really, to be fair, 20 minutes in look quite comfortable and then they concede. It's then 2-all. They then score immediately after to make it 3-2 and then concede immediately after to make it 3-all. So I think, you know, kind of quite frustrating for, for the shaman, but in the end, getting that win on penalties. And again, they've had a decent couple of weeks, you know, some really high-scoring wins and some really impressive wins. And... Kind of, I think. I think in terms of the uh, kind of the mentality and that bit of confidence that you know Wild's been talking about wanting to get them last few weeks has shown it. And I think yesterday he'll have seen it again as well. To be pegged back so many times and still get the win must be really pleasing for them. Yeah, Tom. I mean, I've seen criticism of Pete Wild. I mean, you got to remember he got them to the playoffs last year, and he only had a few weeks to work with him before the season. Um, and then obviously he's kind of. He's proving people wrong again now. I mean, he's brought in a lot more experience. It's taken him time to deal. Do you think the criticism was was a bit unfair of him? Well, I think I think one thing is, you know, I've got I've got a few friends who are Halifax fans, and you know, one of them was saying to me only a few days ago, "Oh, we're 16th. It's unacceptable." But they're only yeah. four points off the playoffs. Yeah. You know, it, it is it is such a tight table at the moment that. If they win all their games during the Christmas period, they could very easily end up very near or in the playoff places. So I think, you know, again, last season, Pete Wilde comes in and literally has no time whatsoever. Literally has to just keep, kind of just make do with what he's got and see what he can do. And this this time round, they've been working on a budget. They've been kind of trying to pick up players here or there. I think Neil Dans was someone they were after. They weren't able to get him for whatever reason. They've now been able to get him. They've also had a few players that they've kind of been able to get in on one-month deals, give them a chance. It hasn't worked for whatever reason. They've now gone. So I think what Pete Wilde's doing is he's kind of having to get his squad ready and get his squad to a level that he's happy with during the season, which is never easy. But I think the last few results have certainly shown you know, that they will be up and around that top half of the table. Whether they're in the playoffs again at the end of it, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. But, you know, I think Pete Wilde has more than proven himself to be doing a good job for the Shaman. Just, well, just on that or just sorry. on that recruitment before we move on, Luke, um, I, I was covering Oldham Athletic quite a lot a couple of seasons ago when, uh, when Pete Wilde 
well, it, in fairness, he was thrown into the job once and then he was given the job and uh, he inherited a group of players, Oldham had bought, Oldham had just um, recruited from overseas and bought in loads of French players and loads of players who played in the French leagues and players from all over the place. And quite frankly, a lot of them weren't good enough, which is why um, Oldham got to the position that they were. But one of them who was, um, was Javaro Nepi Musino. <laughs> That's easy for me to say. Um, and I know that he had, a, he had a spell at Chesterfield last year, but Pete Wilde managed him at Oldham Athletic. And I always thought he was the one who was who was the best of of that bunch at Oldham Athletic. He, play, he plays wide, he can play full-back, wing-back, um, he can play as a winger. And it's been interesting to see that he's been quite influential. He got on the score sheet yesterday in um, in recent days. So I think that those contacts that, that, that Pete Wilde has and that, and that uh, recruitment, as you were talking about, Tom, will, will probably stand them in good stead. And, and certainly Nepi Messino is a, is a fantastic player, in my opinion. No, I think the, the thing with Pete Wilde is kind of the reputation he's had is he's always been like this kind of firefighter. You know, when he was at Oldham, he came in and it was a situation that a lot of people would have failed at, you know, to be brutally honest. He's then coming at Halifax and again, he had so little time in pre-season for what he did was a minor miracle. So the contacts he's been able to build up and the reputation he's gaining within the game, you know, to to say that his first two permanent jobs have basically been taking over teams that are kind of in a really sticky position and be able to do something, you know, shows you kind of what he's about. And also the fact that he's able to attract, you know, some pretty good names to, to the shame and without having to particularly go over the budget again is very favourable for him. Looking at the a couple of upsets that did happen were involving National League Southside, Concord, they got been at home to Truro and also Dulwich Hamlet. They've been on a good run recently. They surprisingly lost at home to Hornchurch. A um, couple of shocks there, especially uh, probably more with Concord, really, because if you look at him, Concord are in the final of last year's competition, which hasn't been played yet, but they're out of next season's competition without knowing if they've won last season's competition. <laughs> I'm confused anyway. <laughs> It's a good quiz question, that, isn't it, for the future, I think. Um, yeah, who, who was knocked out of the lot. next season competition before playing in the final, the previous one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are you disappointed you're out because you're not really out? I don't know. <laughs> but what happens if they win last year's competition? Now, the Churro Technical, oh, we've knocked out the holders because all they can say is we've knocked out the finalists. Well, I think they should be allowed back in this year's if they win. <laughs> <laughs> giving a bye yeah yeah. <laughs> oh you're good with your, your, your rule making here Chris you've got this <laughs> the National League you want to make up a new rule that yeah. if you win it you shouldn't be knocked out next year <laughs> yeah I'm going to get my application on my proposal in <laughs> <laughs> it is, it, is but it just shows what a bonkers year it's been doesn't it Tom that you, you can get to the final of a competition that you've not played yet but then get knocked out of next season yeah, and, and also not have a clue when you're actually going to play that final as yeah. well. Uh, I mean, the, when they play Harrogate Town, who knows? And also, obviously, Harrogate, they'll be beating, if they do win, they'll have beaten an EFL side to win the, a non-league trophy as yeah. well. Yeah. Which, should they, should they both, both teams have to have the squad from last season? <laughs> you think? 
to pick from. Only players who are eligible are the ones that played in the competition. Well, it's, in, it's, it's an interesting yeah. question, though, because you do have to have players registered to play in it. So, like you say, Chris, if like half of Harrogate squad's gone that got them to the final, what did he do then? Yeah, and, and in Harrogate's case, obviously they've strengthened for, for um, the EFL as well. So, it's just widening... Um, what would have been a shock anyway last season if uh, you know if Concord managed to pull something off? It's just widened that gap even further, hasn't it? I mean, Tom, I heard a rumor that it was going to be the final's going to be either the day before this year's final or something like that, or the weekend before. Have you heard anything? All all I've heard is that they want it to happen, and. That's it. Literally, I've been I've been told dates by people within, well, people who know Harrogate have given me a few dates, but nobody's actually given me. No two people have given me the same date, which <laughs> makes me think that does anyone actually know if this game's ever going to happen or not? But I mean, it is just it is it's one of those weird things where um, you know, like you, you talk to Harrogate Town's manager Simon Weaver and. There's times where you can tell you're kind of having to remind him that his team are still in the FA Trophy final because, you know, obviously his his mindset is on League Two and kind of, you know, the trials and tribulations of that rather than a competition that his team can no longer legally enter going forward but can play one more game in because of a competition that hasn't finished from last season. So it is just, I mean... I hope it does happen, but I, I tell you this now: I've, I've no idea when it will, and it, it is just—it's so—it is so weird. I think it's one of those where, when when Harrogate beat Notts County, you know, to win a semi-final, I was there, and it just felt so—it felt like a pre-season friendly. It really did, you know. Obviously, it was during pre-season, but it—you know—the celebrations were so muted. I know in the dressing room afterwards, they had some photos, but. Talking to Simon afterwards, it was like, yeah, we're you know we're kind of in this competition, but we're we're not in it. But we are, we could win it, but we're not part of it anymore. So it, it is just, it's it's just so weird. But hopefully it takes place. But again, I think it's been moved seven times now. You know, so, so when, when will it happen? I, I think it really is anyone's guess. Yeah, I think if it does go ahead, it has to go ahead with fans. I think that's the um, that that's the thing for me. Or they may as well just share it, um, you know, share share the trophy out because I mean, certainly for for a team like Concord to get to Wembley, it's about and Harrogate. You know, Harrogate have, have risen up through the the leagues in recent years. It's about the fans, isn't it? I think the FA Trophy. So it's got to go ahead with them and um, you know, hopefully by next summer we might be in a different world and and it can. You can just see it being a FIFA competition, can't you? One of the players on each side just playing each other and whoever wins, wins that. And it's a virtual final instead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll get Brandon on that. Our old oh, yeah. Um, podcast buddy. Yeah, he could sort that out. Uh, he'll his, commentate uh, on it probably, won't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we'll just give a trophy out that way. You know what? There's worse suggestions than that, to be fair. Somebody somebody at the FA now has gone, do you know what? That's a fantastic idea. Uh, we'll just get my pad out. Over 5 million homes are at risk of flooding, yet many people don't realise they're in danger. Even if you've never been flooded before, it can happen to you. Protect your family and home.
Prepare, act, survive. Prepare a bag including medicines and insurance documents. Act by moving important items upstairs or as high as possible. Survive by listening to emergency services. Search what to do in a flood and sign up to flood warnings on gov.uk. Anyway, a couple more results just to uh, look at. And Rob's not here with us this week, but he has been busy. He went down to the beautifully named Wellwing Darden City to see Aldershot win by five goals to one. And I think it's the first time Aldershot won in the FA Trophy for about 100 years from what he was saying. Uh, um, They won by five goals to one, a comfortable win for them. In the end, the goal scorers in that one. Uh, five different scorers, Mike Fondop, Alex Finney, Shadrach Oji, Toby Edson and Chika Kande scoring there. And also Woking came from behind to beat Dover by two goals to one. Also at Welling Garden City was the non-league papers, Dave Richardson and Rob caught up with him to chat about what he thought of the all-the-shot performance. And then to chat about Woking's come from behind win and a look ahead to the Boxing Day derby between Woking and Aldershot. I'm joined here at uh, Hearns Way where we've watched uh, Welling Garden City 1, Aldershot Town 5 by uh, the non-league papers uh, Dave Richardson. And uh, we'll just do a little review of the Aldershot and the, the Woking games here given that those two sides will hopefully meet on uh, Boxing Day. Uh, starting here at uh, Hearns Way, uh, Dave, uh, comfortable for all the shot in the end. Uh, how did you see the game? Yeah, I think probably the scoreline says it all, really. Um, all the shot pretty much controlled it from the start, I think. Only 1-0 at half-time, and that, that was through a penalty, but I think they deserved that. And then in the second half, they just ran away with it, with it really. Obviously, when they haven't played many games of late, uh, they did play Tuesday. Um, and I think that probably told as well that, that their legs started getting a bit heavy on a heavy pitch as well. Yeah. And, and, and Aldershot made them pay with, with some pretty clinical clinical goals, really. So I think, you know, they would have expected to have won this. Um, it's a hiding to nothing, these games, really. If you win, then you're supposed to have win. And then if, if you've lost, then it's a terrible, terrible result. So, yeah, they've, they've more than got the job done today and, and they'll move on and um, and they'll be pleased with that. Uh, so uh, looking at the uh, Woking game, Dover, a bit of a bogey side at times, uh, aren't they, for uh, Woking? And they did uh, dare to take the lead uh, at Kingfield today, but ultimately Woking turned it round. Yeah, they did. And, and from what I've heard, uh, I think probably Dover going in front was a, a little bit against the run of play. But yeah, Woking have, have turned it around. Of course, the, the club has a great FA Trophy history, uh, doesn't it, going back to the 90s. But it's been a long time since then that they've got back to Wembley. And I think almost always every year they look at the trophy and think, let's have another one of those runs, which has, has been a long time. Um, so they'll be pleased with that result. Obviously, Dover uh, a bit down in the dumps at the moment, aren't they? Struggling in the league um, and, and a defeat there too. So, so that won't be too pleasing for them. But yeah, from a Woking perspective, they'll, they'll be pleased to have turned that round. This leads nicely into the game on Boxing Day where Aldershot will take on Woking at the EBB. And obviously news is breaking around the time we're recording this. So we don't know uh, actually whether fans will be allowed in or not as yet. But... That's what we so desperately want, don't we? Those derby matches with the fans back in. Yeah, it seems like it's been a while, hasn't it? Obviously, we had the FA Cup game fairly early on in the, in the season, but that was, you know, obviously no one in the ground then, um, not even home fans. So, I think, yeah, if you if you can get some home fans in there, then um, you know, I think that'll be of benefit as, as well to Aldershot to have that sort of backing, and, and you know what it's like. Um, 
you know the east bank when it when it roars on on those sort of derby days as well so yeah i think as a, as a spectacle it'd be, it'd be nice to have fans in there and i think um you know probably getting back to that sort of normality but again the, the announcements that have only happened in in the last half an hour or so may well uh scupper that we'll just have to wait and see would you agree i know the manager would shirk this one but would you agree that with Woken in a much better form in the top four in the National League and uh, having already come to the EBB and won this season, uh, they'd fancy their chances uh, at boxing. They, were, you know, they haven't done well in recent years. Yeah, that's right. It's been a little bit of a sort of bogey fixture, this really, isn't it? in a way for Woking. Obviously, I remember a few years ago, a real sort of hammering in, in front of the BT Sport cameras. Um, but that result in the FA Cup, like you say, that will that will boost them. You know, all shot on having the sort of best of times in in the league, probably fair to say at the moment. Whereas Woking are, um, and they have sort of largely a, a fallen available squad. Obviously, Jamar Lowe's has come in as well now for for a transfer fee from from Kings in Town, who obviously the club knows well from his his previous two spells. So that will be a boost. Um, and of course, they they seem to be winning games and churning out results at the moment. So yeah, they will go there for of confidence and other results were that we're going to look at now obviously Farsley they got thumped at Solihull Moors a bit of a rude awakening for them St Albans suffered their first defeat of the season Uh, sorry second defeat both in cup competitions they suffered their second defeat of the season both in cup competitions they lost of course in the FA Cup to Bishop Stortford to miss out on going to the first round and then they lost in the FA Trophy at home to Sutton and another game that you'll both be interested in, and Chris was at, was Stockport against Geisley. Now, I know Tom has a strong affiliation to Geisley, so I'll just sit back and I'll let you two chat it over. <laughs> well, look, um, as you said, I, I was there yesterday, and um, Geisley were absolutely tremendous for 70-odd minutes of, of the game yesterday, I felt. They really took the game to, to Stockport County in the first half, and um, this was a Stockport County coming off a... A frustrating midweek defeat at Notts County where they didn't really create very many chances. The chances that they mainly created in the first half yesterday came from set pieces. Uh, Louis Britton hitting the post um, in the first half, but um, certainly, uh, you know, guys who really took the game to, to uh, Stockport County and uh, gave him a bit of a bloody nose when uh, Wafula scored in, in the first half. And at halftime, you were thinking, well, how are, how are Stockport County going to get back in this? Now, in fairness, they made seven changes from the midweek defeat. Um, and so they did have a lot of strength on the bench. Um, but the turning point in the game was, was um, uh, you know, absolutely when Hamza Ben Sharif got, got sent off. And um, in my non-league paper report, there were differing opinions on whether it should have been a sending off from, um, from both managers at the, at the end of the game. But... Essentially, he was behind, um, he got um, the wrong side of Alex Reid in the penalty area and it clips him. So no arguments about the penalty. Uh, it's whether whether he should have been sent off or not, because when that sending off happened, it really was a tap V defence and it was just wave after wave after wave. I, I don't think the ball even got into Geisley's half and it was inevitable. Uh, the result after that, um, two minutes after... Um, the equal, Alex Reid missed the penalty by the way I should say that um, then went on and scored two and uh, John Rooney came on as a sub and scored a great uh, third goal but um, yeah it's uh, it looked like it was going to be uh, one of those upsets and what I will say is that, that Geisley came out with a hell of a lot of credit at the at the end of the day but 
Ben Sharif don't like it, eh? After that, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Chris, before, I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll hear now from Marcus Bignot because Chris caught up with him after the game. So, Marcus, if ever uh, a sending off changed the game, I think it was today, wasn't it? Yeah, usually disappointing. Um, I think there can be no argument. <laughs> you know, the referee's going to give the penalty, but then to see the red card. Um, that was, you know, for me, that was the, the momentum change because up until that, it was missed. Um, yeah. So we would have been, that would even give us, you would have looked round and gone, is it going to be our day? But then, once the referees issued the red card, totally different game and credit to Stockport. It could have been, you know, a cricket score after that, but certainly up until then, I don't think anyone could begrudge our game plan, how we went about things and, um, Yes, we got the goal, and um, we were going in a—you know—we were going in a, a good direction. I was going to say that because before the penalty, it was well, it was even. If not, you were a bit better in the first half. You know, we we had a game plan. We gave up possession. We, you know, we know we're not going to dominate Stockport on the ball. Full time outfit, very—you know—excellent players expected to go up from the national league. One of the favourites to go up. Um, and we've always had good games against Stockport over the you know over the years since we've been at guys. I don't think we've lost one. This is the first time, but we had a real good lesson off them in pre-season, mm. um, and we learnt from that. Um, and we certainly applied that today, and we could see all the work gone in it. You know, we haven't even had a training session, so even more credit to the players. We literally played Chorley on a Tuesday, put a game plan together for them <laughs> over video analysis for them to send out in the group, and then spoke about it prior to today so I thought the boys were a credit and actually really gave a good account of themselves how to play the game without possession and then when we had possession finding ways to hurt them and it got us a lead and on another day it could have been so different Yeah. now in, in this strange season it's stop start stop start all the time but if you look on paper performance today was good results have been picking up as well you'd be looking to sort of fire up that league now yeah we you know, performances have been there in snippets and in periods of games. We haven't put that those performance levels over a course of a game. And performance levels can develop in many ways. You know, it can be an off-the-ball performance. It can be an on-the-ball performance. You know, we're trying to bring everything to the table in terms of being better on the ball, being better off the ball, controlling transitions, being good on restarts. There's so much that goes into a game of football. And we felt the group part building into it and grasping it like you said we've had a couple of good results I think it's been off the back of some good performances um, and it has given us confidence even today will give us confidence up till descending off you know certainly going into Farsley but again it just sticks in your throat that you know we're disappointed we and today but then we miss Hamza now for a crucial derby game on Boxing Day and you know, I just think you've just got to look at that decision I, I can't I just can't see it as a double jeopardy I really can't <laughs> you'll be thinking about that tonight <laughs> cheers Marcus thanks Thank for your you. time and that was guys the manager Marcus Bignot in terms of Stockport Chris I mean we we haven't really touched on it yet but obviously there was that big game in midweek against Notts County live on TV and it wasn't quite the cracker that everyone was expecting but I think everyone agreed that Notts County were worthy winners do you think some of the seven changes even if it wasn't an FA Trophy game he might have made quite a few changes after that Jim Gannon he might have done, yeah, quite possibly. I know he wasn't very happy about the um, the performance, um, and certainly the what they were creating in the uh, you know in the final third of the pitch was was very little. And I, I would say it looked 
that midweek performance, um, for me, it looked comfortable for Notts County without them ever really moving out of third gear. They basically just controlled um, anything that Stockport County had to throw at them. So, yeah, probably he may have made a few changes. Um, but I know that um, he certainly used the opportunity to... Uh, they've got a big squad. They've got a big 20-man squad and they've also got academy um, kids as well who... who on top of that as well. So he's got a lot of people to keep happy uh, at the moment as Jim Gannon. And um, there was certainly um, Southern Hales had a, had a great performance at, at Wingback. He was probably the, um, one of the standout players for, for Stockport County yesterday. So he's got a lot of people to keep happy. So I think he probably may have made those changes anyway, Luke. Yeah, Tom, it's not... I mean, when we spoke last time, you kind of said that the result that Geisley had after their sort of COVID-enforced break was... Um, it was like the result was deserved because he just looked jaded, but it's not really happened from since. Although when I saw him at Telford, they lost there and it was their first away defeat in a year. So, I mean, struggling in the league, aren't they? Are you, are you surprised that they've not sort of picked up a, a few more points now? I've got to say that, that in terms of performances and results, the last 10 days or so has been really positive for guys. So, you know, they were able to beat Southport. M- Milan Butterfield's coming from Chesterfield and he's someone... Guys have been after for ages, so he's he brings real quality. And I think another thing as well, I mean, he wasn't available yesterday, Prince Polo, who, whenever he plays, guys will play better. And he's been missing, obviously, because of the COVID-enforced break. He then had a suspension, which was brought in, which was three games, and he missed yesterday due to a knock. So I think if him, him and Butterfield are together, it really works. I actually feel bit more confident now about where it's going for guys like you know they lost to Chorley in the league a couple of weeks ago 1-0 but the second half the last 15 minutes they they really did play some good football and were a bit unlucky in the end not to get anything and I think yesterday you know I kind of had this thing with Marcus and it was like in terms of the result you know losing to Stockport 3-1 it wasn't ideal in terms of going out because you want to go, you know, you want to do well in the competition, but that red card changes everything. You know, if that red card doesn't happen, I, you know, I've got my Geisley hat on, but I'm, I'm confident Geisley would have been able to hold on even after conceding the penalty after they missed it. So I think there's a lot of positives to take from it. And, you know, Geisley's record against Farsley Celtic and York City are actually quite good. So the next few games, you know, there is that little bit of optimism, especially with the squad kind of now back up to speed after that COVID break, because that COVID break for Geisley, you know, it just destroyed all momentum. And, you know, I think I think teams that are having these breaks, you don't realise just how bad these breaks are in terms of the physical condition players are coming back in, because two weeks without training, two weeks without you know, kind of going through tactics, doing the basics, really. It really does take a couple of weeks then after to get going again. But I do think Geisley are back in that position now and hopefully the results can get going again now and they can climb the table a bit. And it's just such a crying shame as well that we can't have fans in all this Christmas period because it's it's one of those, isn't it? You you have your, your turkey on Christmas Day, you wake up on Boxing Day, it, it the festive games are games you get excited about. The local derby is the one that draws a crowd in the atmosphere. Yeah, and I think I think you know uh, York, York City obviously will have some fans. I think it was four hundred for the first 
first one. I don't know if they're going to be able to up that a little bit, but Geisley v Farsley, you're always getting over a thousand, both, both, you know, at the Citadel and Nevermore Park. And instead, both, well, the game at Nevermore definitely will be behind closed doors. The one at the Citadel could have fans if the New Year's Eve restrictions are lifted, but I can't see that being the case personally. So I think that one will be behind closed doors as well. And yeah, it is just a cry. It is a crying shame. Obviously, we're in these surreal times. You know, it's not normal times, and I think it'll all make us appreciate Boxing Day football that little bit more next year. Hopefully, absolutely. Tom, Chris, um, thanks very much for joining us. It's been obviously a shortened one because we've only had trophy action, but it's still been a really interesting chat. Really enjoyed it, um, and have a great Christmas. Yeah, same to you, mate. Yep, thanks guys. Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Thanks as well to Rob and Tom and Dickie and everyone who's contributed to the podcast over the over this season, certainly so far in what has been weird times. And uh, we'll be back next Sunday to review the Boxing Day fixtures and look ahead, and obviously the Saturday fixtures as well, and look ahead to New Year's Day. But all that's left for me to say is, first of all, subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify and then... Do that as a Christmas present. Uh, do that as your Christmas wish. Get it downloaded onto your uh, iPhone or your tablet or whatever device you use. And all that's left for me to say is have a very Merry Christmas. Christmas.